0: Welcome to Table Radio. My name is Anna Spray, and this is the first of our Advent series, Rooted in Advent. The following is my sermon from our big table service on Sunday, December 6th. Enjoy! Well, friends, welcome to what is the second Sunday of Advent. Uh, We began this season last week with our neighborhood table, and today we have... What is our big table uh, which always looks a little bit different when we all can't be together but I know many of you are gathering in your homes tonight uh, with your families with your roommates and so we're glad that you've come to join us our scripture for tonight is from the book of 2 Peter chapter 3 beginning at verse 8 but do not forget this one thing dear friends Never With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping His promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire and the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to a new heaven and a new earth. But in keeping with this promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. So then, dear friends, And since you are looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. Bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation, just as our dear brother Paul also wrote you with the wisdom that God gave him. He writes the same way in all his letters, speaking in them of these matters. His letters contain some things that are hard to understand, which ignorant and unstable people distort, as they do the other scriptures to their own destruction. But therefore, dear friends, since you have been forewarned, be on your guard so that you may not be carried away by the error of the lawless and fall from your secure position, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be both glory now and forever, amen. Well, I love Advent, and truth be told, I've been looking forward to this season for a long time, which I'm sure other people have out there. Currently, I have no less than three Advent calendars in my house that are enjoying daily use, but lately I've begun to wonder what all this practice of waiting is for. Are we truly ready for Christ's second coming, or by observing Advent, have we only added to the busyness of an already crazy season? Because Advent has become trendy, I don't know if you've noticed, but beer calendars, daily tea calendars, Harry Potter, Lego for every day of the week, guess which of those is in our house, but none of these have anything to do with Christ's coming to claim his kingdom. I was listening to a podcast this week and one of my current favorite writers, Esau Macaulay, really convicted me when he asked, what are we hoping for, for a vaccine or for Christ to come again? Well, truthfully, I've been hoping for a vaccine, for everyone to be safe so I can resume my previous life. But is our life before COVID really worth resuming? Was I living that holy and godly life that Peter describes? Perhaps the unexpected gift of this year is that it has forced us to break with what was the norm forever. And going forward, we have to ask ourselves, Is my life really oriented towards the coming of Jesus? Or am I simply too busy building my own kingdom of comfort? Jesus comes again to bring justice. Okay, yeah, we like the sound of that. We want evil institutions to crumble. Take that, Amazon. But Jesus intends to bring justice to the whole earth, to corporations and to governments, but also to our own lives. Justice equals judgment, and I'm not sure we like that. Time is heading towards a glorious conclusion. Even though right now we feel as though things may never change, there is a new day coming. The purpose of the time between now and when Jesus comes is for us to establish a right relationship with God, embracing repentance and reconciliation with him before he comes again. And the gift of time is set so that, like the prodigal son, we too would have a chance to come to our senses and come home to Jesus. In the words of our own Bishop Charlie, time is a temporary gift to establish a permanent relationship with God. Because from God's perspective, the more people saved, the better. As Peter says in our passage today, God isn't meaning to frustrate or to harm us. But his hope is that you and your family, your neighbors, and everyone everywhere might come to Jesus before the time expires. So let's make Advent apocalyptic again. (laughs) Let's recapture its original purpose. Over time, Advent observance has really changed in the church. Rather than the comfortable themes of joy, love, hope, and peace, The original themes of the season were actually heaven, hell, judgment, and death. Sound exciting? (laughs) As a group, these together were called the four last things, the last stages of the soul in life and in the afterlife. And here I have to give credit to our dear friend, the Reverend Dr. Mark Davidson. Shout out to Winnipeg, Manitoba. He and I were in a neighborhood table together for over three years, and every single year when our group got together to light the Advent wreath, he would express his frustration that the church had forgotten this history. He would bring up the point that the original focus for Advent was the four last things, but this historical practice had faded over time. For approximately 500 years, these were the topics preached in the four Sundays of Advent because they were meant to prepare the church for Jesus' second coming. And so we would consider the four things of Advent so that we can confess and prepare ourselves for a greater future reality. These four things together make up what we call, in fancy theological language, eschatology. They point to the last things, the the purpose and the goal of our existence. And so with these themes, the church would reflect every year on our own fragility and limitations. This is exactly what the four things are about, things totally beyond our control. Our future hope does not rest on our own shoulders, but on the fate of that child born in the manger. So in this short penitential season with no glorias, no alleluias, the church would reflect on our own shortcomings and the one who came to bring us eternal hope. The second coming of Jesus promises he will come back to take you to myself so that where I am, you also may be, Jesus says in the Gospel of John. The time we have today is for us to renew our desire and hope for Jesus to come. So what are these last things we're supposed to be thinking about? Well, I think one of the greatest tragedies of our current culture is it tells us to ignore any thoughts about death and to carry on as if we have no feelings about that. But instead, Jesus directs us to think about what comes after this present life, to think beyond the mysterious realm of death and to either an eternity of communion with God or dark and separation from him. As I've shared with you before, a lot of friends and family uh, close to me have died this year. So far, over 12,000 people in Canada have died from COVID, and over a quarter of a million in the States. And we all have feelings about that. Many of us this year said goodbye to loved ones without being able to have a funeral. Many people have died in hospital, separated from family and friends. We need to think about heaven, hell, judgment, and death, not because we want to be morbid or depressed, but because these four things are part of our reality. And when we ignore them, it is literally to our own peril. As Jonathan reminded us a few weeks ago, we don't have all the time in the world. The Bible promises that Jesus is coming and things will be decided in a way that is permanent. Let's look at our reading in verse 9. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise. Instead, he is patient with you, Peter says, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. This life is fleeting. Jesus is coming again, and he has been patient in that coming because his desire is that all of us might come home to him first having lived, hopefully, holy and godly lives so that we might be citizens of this new heaven and new earth, this place where righteousness and honor and virtue is universally present in all people. The corruption and the social disorder that we currently see around us, none of that will be part of the world that is to come. In that place, black lives will matter. Women and children will be valued citizens. Everyone there will be completely loved, completely whole, and completely fulfilled. And that is the kingdom we look forward to. But of course, before that future place, we face death itself. And upon our moment of death, we see the spiritual realities that until then, lie beyond our sensed experience. They will be revealed to us. And the eternal consequences of our own life choices will finally be shown. And at that moment, we won't be subject to some karmic forces or a wrathful God, but we will be met and we will be judged by the God of grace. Because death is a fact of life. For the Christian, there is the death of our physical bodies. But more importantly, we have died in baptism, says Colossians 2. And since that moment, our life is tied to Jesus. We have died with him, died to the law, and are crucified with him. And his death takes priority over every other death in creation. And Jesus descended into hell so that we who believe in him needn't ever go there. And we will be raised to life eternal with him. Now, does this mean our life on earth is full of struggle? Is free from suffering or struggle? But no, that's still a part of our experience. But what it does mean is that the inevitable bridge of death has already been crossed over for us. Advent is the time to embrace the truth of our baptism. We have died to sin. We are alive in Christ forever, and there is a continuity of life between this world and the one to come for those that are united to Christ in this way. So what about judgment? Not the most fun thing to tackle. Well, God's judgment, 2 Peter tells us, will be sudden, terrifying, and certain. Christ comes, scripture says, his winnowing fork in his hand and he will clear his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the granary, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. But instead of being some projection of personal prejudice, which honestly our judgment would look like, Christ's judgment is the consummation, the final act of all the transformation God has promised It's not about seeing whether we have been bad or good, but it is a completion of his vision of justice and peace, where the most vulnerable are treated with the same dignity as those who are strong. The wolf shall lie down with the lamb, says Isaiah, and the leopard lie down with the goat, and a little child will lead them. Instead of the current brutality we see in the world around us, peace will reign. And God doesn't invite us to consider where we might place ourselves or others when we stand at the place of judgment, but instead, God invites us to be remade in the light of his transforming promise, and to be led by his Son, who will judge the living and the dead. So this is the time in Advent to look forward to when King Jesus returns to set all things right, even ourselves. And all the discord we currently see and feel will finally be put to an end. Justice will rain down on everyone and everything, and some will be welcomed into God's kingdom, and some will be left out in the cold. So let's talk about heaven. Because heaven is really what we long for, right? That's the nicest of the last things. Of all the images of heaven the Bible portrays, perhaps the most vivid is the great staircase that Jacob dreams about in the book of Genesis. He falls asleep and he sees a vision of angels ascending and descending. And at the top of the staircase, he hears the voice of God saying his descendants would inherit all the land he sees around him. And really, beyond this description... The Bible has very little to say about what heaven is physically like, other than God promises us a home where the limitations and confines of earth will be gone. I mentioned earlier that the last four things reveal our limitations, the limitations of our life and death, our actions and our judgment. But heaven is the place where these things cease to exist. Our limitations are gone There, all pain and suffering is ended, and death itself is conquered. The eyes of the blind shall be opened, we read, and the the ears of the deaf unstopped. No limitations for anyone. And our current subjection on earth to frail and flawed human life will finally be over. Heaven is the place where all God's promises are fulfilled. So what is hell? Well, quite opposite to that. It's a place of eternal despair, a place of no redemption, no hope, a place where God's promise is not present. In scripture, hell is called either Sheol or Hades, depending whether you're reading in the Old or New Testament in Hebrew or Greek. In the Old Testament, Sheol is the place that lies beyond life, the dwelling place of the dead a place of punishment where those without God are subject to eternal misery and, yes, a little bit of flaming fire. And this, of course, is where Dante got his idea for his Inferno, a work of fiction that honestly seems to have much more influence on our common understanding of what hell is like than anything we actually read in the Bible. The worst the Bible has to say about hell is it is simply the place where we cannot be with God. Hell is the place Jesus descended to after he died. Hell is a place beyond the grace of God. Hell is wherever the presence of God cannot be felt. But in Advent, we are reminded of Emmanuel, God with us. God will come to be with us in the messiness and the brokenness of our world, in the midst of our own weakness and faithlessness. It is there that God promises to be. But in order to continue to enjoy his presence, there is action needed on our part. His invitation to be with us does have an expiry date. To be hell-bent means to live according to one's own self-interest, looking only to our own advancement and comfort, diluted with our own self-importance. Hell is the consequence of this, not because God is a masochist, but because this is what a person wants, an independent life. Theologian Robert Lizzo says this, what we find in the center of hell is not fire, but the freezing cold, terrifying delusion of self-sufficiency. This person seeks only themselves and the world, and ultimately they end up with neither. But for those who would be bound for heaven, Those people realize the delusion of self-sufficiency. They know that love for others is to be the foundation of life. They desire to unite themselves to God. This is the person who says yes and amen to all that God has done for them. And when we humbly submit ourselves to God, this means that we get all of the self back in the gifts of eternal life. Advent brings together the expectation of Christ's second coming and the question of the end of our mortal lives. And what we see is not destruction, but fulfillment. The healing and vindication of our already existing world. Advent prompts us to raise our head, to look beyond the cradle to the one reigning on the throne and decide whether or not we see ourselves there with him. Charles Wesley sums it up this way. Am I born to die, to lay this body down? And must my trembling spirit fly into a world unknown, a land of deepest shade, unpierced by human thought, the dreary regions of the dead where all things are forgot? Waked by the trumpet sound, I from my grave shall rise, and see the judge with glory crowned, and see the flaming skies. Fleming Rutledge, a a writer and a priest, she uses the term apocalyptic transvision to describe the way that we see both the world that is and the world that is to come. We live a doubled kind of life. We are present here in the world, baptized, resident with Christ, while we are also simultaneously participating in a future reality we do not yet see. There is a double vision with God, too. Jesus, who is coming soon, is the same one who came as a baby to die. And by his death, he promises us uninterrupted, limitless life. And when he comes again, the promise of heaven will burst into our personal and present experience. The place where human limitations, a place that feels far off at this point, but the place where human limitations no longer exist and God's promises are all fulfilled, that place will come to earth. Heaven will invade our temporal temporal realm. In Advent, we wait for a promise which is at any time ready to invade. A promise that draws us onto that staircase highway that Jacob dreamed of and towards the transformation that God longs to give us. We are watching and waiting for the realm of heaven to invade our reality. For the promise of love which, might, which says that we might be transformed to live without limitations, to live without grief or fear or regret. Ultimately, Jesus is our greatest hope not the promise of a vaccine or herd immunity. Jesus' eternal resurrection is the reality we live into and towards, our uninterrupted presence before God. This is what we look forward to, and this is what we long for. Let us pray. Gracious God, would you expand our vision? Would you Lift our eyes and enlarge our sight to look beyond what we currently see and to anticipate the coming of your kingdom. Lord, would you grow in us a desire for you to come, to bring your justice and to bring your life of heaven to earth. Make us ready for that day. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. While we praise you. Thank you for listening to Table Radio, an extension of the life of the Table Church, a community in Victoria, B.C. Our mission together is to love God, love each other, and to love and bless our neighbors so that we may see Christ revealed in common life. Music for this episode provided by the Preparation EP. Written and arranged by Coco Relieve, can be found at thetablechurch.bandcamp.com. To learn more about our community, please go to tablechurch.ca. Be our strength and be our guide, You God.